Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into episode 179 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, hanging out in the host chair with my co-workers James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal on what has been the hottest stretch of days in the last, what it seems like, year, because I don't think any of us were outside for like four days in a row during the pandemic last year, so four straight days of 90-degree heat in like the heaviest competition. I felt so bad for the kids on Saturday. Like, track state finals went off this past Saturday, and it was the hottest day of the year. It was like, what, 93 degrees, humid. And I could only imagine what those kids had to feel like running across the state. Yeah, Marvin Jones, like, built a uh, homemade air conditioner thing that Benzie could have in its in its tent at the state finals. Like, made out of, like, a cooler you could put ice in with some f- built-in fans that would just blow cold air out. Literally, I guarantee you needed it. What uh, Asa Kelly told me was that there was a couple of kids at the state finals who lived close to the meet who were going home and sitting in the air conditioning in between their races and then coming back nice and fresh. And it was like, man, talk about an advantage. That's a real home field advantage. Right? Talk about a home field advantage. But obviously, it, I mean, it was a great weekend. We had so many good things happen. We have, like, literally, I'm, we're, I don't think we're going to BS around really at all because we have so much stuff to talk about that we don't really have time to act like there's nothing going on around here. Uh, that was, like, the that's, busiest. That's a, that's a good thing because you had uh, a conversation about my missing wallet, like, saddled and ready to rip on me about and now we're not going to get to talk about it on the podcast right right i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bring up all the sour milk from last week what we're gonna do is talk about all the great accomplishments that happened we have an entire pulse filled with what is the busiest weekend of high school sports every year with you know upwards of 20 districts in about three days we had all four divisions of track state finals go off uh tennis state finals over the weekend all that stuff's going to be talked about in the pulse we got our interview today with a couple of state champions from track this weekend from Traverse City St. Francis's 4x800 relay team. We have Jacob Haranga and Thomas Richards joining us today. After that, we're going to get into the Chatter That Matters, which is going to be a preview of all of the teams that we have left in the baseball, softball, and soccer playoffs. We only have a couple left in soccer, and those are going to be really, really interesting to see come tomorrow on Tuesday. We have to wait until Saturday for softball to kick back up and Wednesday for baseball to kick back up. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We have another rendition of the Hall of Fame where we're not going to put just one, but a lot more people into there. It's not going to be a very exclusive club this week, so stick around to see who makes it in. And we're going to get into the the trifecta, which I want to ask you guys, is there more of a mockery than what happened last night with Floyd Mayweather and Logan Paul um, to any sort of organized sport? So we'll talk about that later. James, you you had something to say before we get into the Pauls. Well, it's not like it makes it any less exclusive. I mean, you have to win a state championship to get it. Okay, you're right. That's pretty exclusive. You're right, you're right. Just the exclusivity. Like, like if you didn't win a state championship week this weekend, you're not getting sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. It didn't matter how good your performance was at all. I guess it is pretty exclusive. Doesn't matter how you could have hit five home runs in two days yesterday. If you didn't win a, or last week, if you didn't hit a state championship, you're probably not going to make it in. Sorry. It's just a precedent we've set here at the Record Eagle here at the Get Around. So before we get too far off, we're going to remind you this. Episode sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. And we're going to do this before we forget. Last week we started our month-long giveaway of Pit Spitters tickets. The Pit Spitters season is fully underway now, and they are at full capacity. We are giving away four packs of Pit Spitters tickets this week for interacting and sharing our podcast on Facebook. Remember, all it takes is a share, a like, a comment, a retweet, something. Let us know that you're listening, and we'll get you entered in. Angelica Deal from Traverse City, you have won four tickets to the Pit Spitters. They are in my hand right now. 
we are going to get to get a hold of you and get those out. Make sure you get out there with your family and uh, enjoy all those new uh, food items and full capacity ballpark for the first time in over a year. But without any further ado, we're already five minutes in and we have too much to talk about to go any deeper. We're going to put our finger on the heartbeat of the sports world and go into the pulse. And I think we're going to go right to where we kind of started this episode with in this conversation and the track state finals. We had, I think it was probably about 150 to almost 200 athletes qualify for state finals last week. And an incredible amount came back with all state finishes. I was thoroughly, thoroughly impressed with the amount of people who had top five, you know, I mean, top eight is all state, but even just top five finishes from our area this year. And we're going to go through some of these people, especially the state champions and kind of talk about those people who, you know, really surprised. I, I have a couple of people to start off with. I think one of the first people that we, we mentioned, or I even mentioned when we did this, was Leah Dozema from Traverse City Central. We knew she was one of the more prolific throwers in the area or in Traverse City Central history, breaking school records. Her previous record was 142 feet in the discus, and she threw 145 at the state meet to win the state title this week. So three feet further than her furthest ever, and it was actually four feet further than the next competitor. So even her just personal best would have won it. But she went and out through herself, and she was like, wow, like I couldn't even believe I did that. Yeah, pretty good timing for that. I think really good timing for that. I mean, she, she came in, I believe it was a fourth for the shot put as well. So uh, that's, that's another great performance. Somebody else who I have to bring up and probably has to be at the top of our list for you know, performances at the state finals has to be Glen Lake's Finn Hogan. We know what kind we of... We kind of saw that coming when the guy broke four school records in the same meet earlier this year, but... Yeah, but I mean, you, you go school records, and you go down to states, you go, wow, what, what's this guy going to do? We know what kind of freak athlete he is. He's going down to Central Michigan. He's going to be a wide receiver, tight end uh, type player down there for Central Michigan. Obviously has the chops, but listen to this. He won a state title in Division Four in the 400, 49.98 seconds. Oh, man, that is blazing fast. 49.98 seconds. Uh, he took sixth place in the 100 meter at 11.48, fourth place in the 200 at 23.13 seconds, and he took second place in the high jump at six foot seven inches. That is just insane, man. I can't imagine being able to jump more than yourself. Like, yeah, like higher than like you Finn, are. Like Finn's like, you know, six five, six four, and he's jumping two, three inches. Over what his own height is. That's crazy. How do you get your heels up over your head? That's the heels overhead right there. I wonder if that's I wonder if that's what they tell everybody when they're it's coaching. It's called the Fallsbury flop. A Fallsbury flop. Okay. Like they put their back. Like you basically jump like two inches and then put your feet over your head and laying your back down. Yeah, no, but Fosbury, I think it's Fosbury flop. I just it's still the fact that your your the your heels get to seven feet in the air. Wow. <laughs> But Finn Hogan, we know he's an, he knows he's an elite athlete, obviously showing out. I think that's the most decorated person that we had from the weekend, if you're talking about four events. Four events, four All-State, with the lowest finish being sixth place in the 100. That's impressive. Aiden Horan from Buckley made school history. First, I think she was like the first freshman to ever win a state title. She showed up in the state cross-country meet earlier this year, 514 in the mile for D4. That's pretty good. Yeah, right behind her was Glenn Lake's McKenna Scott, right in number two. And McKenna Scott won a title in the two-mile. So she was right in second in the one-mile behind Buckley's Aiden Horan. And then McKenna Scott won the two-mile in 11 minutes, 24.55 seconds. We talked about her with Harrison last week, and that was Tara Townsend. After she broke the meet record at the uh, Record Eagle John Lober honor roll meet, we talked about Tara Townsend. 
and you know her possibly defending that state championship. She goes down to D4, defends that pole vault state championship, and breaks her own record at 12 feet flat. So... Yeah, and there's a, I think it was Ed Schindler, I think, posted it on Facebook. He posted a slow motion video of her doing that vault, and it, it's pretty impressive. I mean, the, the way that pole bends, I was like, how does that not snap? Like, that's just, <coughs> it's such an angle. But, man, just torquing it like that and getting up there over the over the bar. And, and they do kind of the similar thing where they kind of flop over the, the bar like the long jumpers do and everything, but then they got to make sure that that pole doesn't hit it too, so they got to push the pole away. I've always wondered, just even back in the Olympic days, who started like who started pole vault? Who was just like we're gonna take this big old stick and get over that old big old stick over there and let's get as high as we possibly can? Because I've always just been the, the way sports are created is incredible to me. But I want to talk about Tara because Tara joined. Tara, I think Tara actually. Tara won two state titles because she was part of the Frankfurt Girls 400 relay team of Kean Clapp, Reagan Thor, Grace Wolf, and herself, who won the state title in 52.05 seconds. And so that's two for her, and then joining her on two titles. But I think the only person who actually got two individual titles would be Petoskey's Emma Squires. Emma Squires led Petoskey to a cross-country state title for the first time in school history. Uh, we saw her acumen in the distance there. She comes out and she wins the 800 and the 1600 state titles. She, in the 800, she ran 2 minutes, 14 seconds. and the 1600, she ran 4 minutes, 55.05 seconds to win dual individual state titles. And a team title. Two team I titles. Mean, I, saw, I mean, I saw her run against Julia Flynn at the BNC track meet, and me and TC Rick just looked at each other and said, these are going to be your mile and two-mile state champions in Div- Division One and Division uh too and we actually found out that's not excellent not exactly what happened flynn took second in the 1600 after being like nationally ranked for most of the year you know she i think she was dealing with an injury uh jake you said i mean i i saw her ice in her shins at the honor roll meet you know she i thought she had the chance to break that 1600 record at the honor roll meet and she did not even run that race there so um you know she's been dealing with something here at the end of the season but we still have a whole other year of julia flynn and i'm sure that you know she's only going to get faster next year uh, but She's going to win the state title. You, you bring it up, James. Uh, Petoskey, Emma Squires, cross country, they win a state title. Mm-hmm. Track, they win a state title. I mean, this is this is pretty unparalleled right now, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't remember a team doing both in the same year. I mean, obviously, if you have if you win one, it's that bodes well for the other because you're going to be good in the distance events. But you got to do so much more in the in track and field. You can't just have distance runners and, and win a state title. Well, I did learn, you know, this year, at, and we didn't really talk about these guys yet. We, we, this will be a good segue into this, is that the thing about track and field is that you don't necessarily need a whole team to win a track and field state title. It really, really helps if you say you have seven people in seven different events. Oh, yeah. But if you have, say, somebody like Emma Squires, who's in three events or four events and places in the top three, in all four events, that's going to score you enough points to put you in the top five in almost any one of these divisions. Kind of like Benzie. Exactly. And that's the segue we're going with is the Benzie Central boys tied the best finish in school history at second place. They were runner-up in Division Three, and they did it with only two runners, Hunter Jones and Seth Stoltz. Two pretty good ones. Very good runners. <laughs> and then, But that's the difference is that so Hunter Jones wins the state title in the mile run in the 16 in 4.17. 18. We saw him run just a little bit faster than that, 
I think it was what 414 at the honor roll meet when he just broke that that record just um this past week. But you know they, I mean, Asa Kelly said that they were running on a black track at Division Three in that 93 degree heat. They said the temperature on the track was probably over 100 degrees. And Hunter Jones was running four events when most of these other kids were running one event against Hunter Jones. So that's kind of how it was. I remember them telling me, you know, that he had basically one one race, and then he got to rest for like an hour and a half, get new socks, dry clothes, cool off, and then he basically had to race, 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 and didn't get a chance to like cool off, warm up, cool down like all the other kids did, go to their house and sit in the air conditioning and come run. And he was still only a couple seconds off of the state title in both the 800 and the 3200. He was literally second place in both of those. So you go first place, second place, second place for Jones. And then Seth Stoltz gets sixth place in the 100 and fourth place in the 200. And that catapults Benzie all the way to second place in Division Three. I can't imagine just running three events like that in a row. I mean, Benzie was talking about, like I mentioned, the, the homemade AC unit that Marvin made. Uh, they were talking about uh, bringing in shower curtains so that they can <laughs> hang shower curtains inside the tent to make it a smaller area that one person could get into with the with the AC unit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> just to keep, just to try to keep cool. So you got to get creative when you're out in the middle of a field and you're trying to, you know, be at high performance. I'm gonna guess Marvin knew what the times were on hunters' events and that they were gonna be close and they might need to cool down in between. There was only like, quick. yeah, there was only like one. I think they said like the girls. 1600 or whatever was in between his two races um and then there was like 20 minutes after that one he was like literally got enough time to like change your socks and that's about it i want to know who beat him in the two mile now how about a school we don't really talk about that much petoskey saint michael they only have like one sport they won the state title in the 3200 meter relay 82062 sam paga micah bragg seth bragg and hammond law yeah, like you said, I mean, they, it kind of is like their thing. I mean, when they were running at the end of the season there, I I guess I kind of I, – I wouldn't say I expected them to win a state title, but when they were in the – like the Ski Valley Conference meet, I think they are in the Ski Valley Conference meet. They were winning meets. They no, were taking they, like – There was kids all over the place. You were literally were doing, seeing – They were doing well. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You were just seeing literally the, the leaderboard riddled with Potosi State Michael kids. So this doesn't surprise me as they win it. But once again, I think – man, I want to count now. I think, I think we had a total of 13 – Events and 13 things that won state championships. It might have been more. It might have been 14. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. It's surprising how sometimes those small schools uh, can, that track and field can be the sport that they can be really competitive in. You would think that uh, if track is one you have to have a whole bunch of people for. But, you know, little schools like Petoskey, St. Michael, Grand Traverse Academy has a pretty competitive track and field team as well. And, yeah. And, you know, they're not a very big school as well. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean we talk about... Uh, Caitlin Dix, that's somebody, I, I apologize, like, I only left out, like, one person. Um, every, there's so many, that, the track finals is it's so, so hard tough. to comb through that, that almost every year, like, it's, somebody gets better. I know, just one. And, 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 then, you, and then you feel like crap, because you missed somebody. I feel bad, be, the reason why I feel so bad is because I got 300 other kids, and it's like, you've just missed 301, or whatever, it's like, or mm-hmm. there's 300, yeah. I got 299, and I missed, I missed it. It's like you did so all the way there, but I'm pretty sure I'm not 100 percent sure. But from what I could tell, is that she was the only one from GTA who actually qualified for the finals on the girls' side. So when I was going through everything, I did, I was registering all these other schools over and over again, and then I saw that and just oh, man. But she got 
two All-State nods. She got a fourth-place finish in the 300 hurdles and a fourth-place finish in the long jump, and that was after she hurt herself in the 100-meter hurdles. She fell and hurt her hamstring, and she both ran both those races and still made All-State finishes. Nice. So she came back from an injury to do that, and then it was like, so I, I once again, I understood, and I was like, man, I left her out, and then she went through all that, and then you didn't get in the paper. It's like, darn, man. And then there was another one who didn't get in who should have, but that, that was just because of pure space. It was literally the last graph of the thing I cut off, and that was Sutton's Bay senior Emily Grant got second place in the discus in Division Four, and Buckley's Kyle Kazanowski placed fifth in the high jump in Division Four. Those got cut out of the paper, but um, a couple more. They're I know, still in the online version. Yeah, they are. So, I mean, I, I would love... I would absolutely love to go through every single one of these kids. But the same reason why Saturday was the busiest day of the year and the whole newspaper was filled top to bottom with text is the same reason why we can't read off all what I believe is probably about 100 of these All-State finishes. There's a bunch of school records. There's a bunch of All-State people. Uh, I mean, a bunch of people who broke their own personal records. Um, literally, I just need you guys to go online to record-eagle.com and look at the story from Division One, Division Four. Everybody, now I can confidently say I double checked it again yesterday. Unless somebody else comes and tells me I missed somebody else, everybody else that I could find from our area who finished all state or above is listed in this story. So if you need to find that, go to record-eagle.com, search up uh, Track State Finals 2021. It's all tagged in there. You'll be able to find them. And just take a look at everybody. There's so many more that we can't recognize here on the podcast. I mean, we're already 20-something minutes into this, and we still have to talk about baseball and softball districts. But, I mean, all I want to say on the podcast, because this is the only time we get to say this, is that, like, what a heck of a season for Northern Michigan track. We talked to all these coaches, and over and over again they go, man, last year was our year. I think we heard it. We talked about it last mm-hmm. year was our year. It was going to be our year. It was going to be our year. I mean, Traverse City Central girls placed fourth. Benzie Central boys placed second. You know, Petoskey girls take a state title. You're talking about a few other teams that are literally legitimately placing inside of the top ten that we never thought were going to be there. And we have more than a dozen people bringing home state titles and probably over 100 all-state finishers. I think it, especially for taking an entire year off a of track last year, not having a whole year worth of practice, that's one heck of a season for everybody up here. So that's congratulations on our part. Yeah, and track and field is not one of those sports like, you know, baseball or softball or soccer even where – you know, missing last spring was kind of alleviated by a lot of those players being able to go and play travel ball in the fu- in the summer. It, there just isn't that for track and field. I mean, there's a few elite races that people like Hunter Jones and Squires can probably go race in, but not 99% of kids. You know, so I mean, you look at the story of impressive. You look at the fairy tale story of Hobbs Kessler, and this guy like wasn't even really putting up state like caliber times his freshman sophomore year and then i read the m live story and like this kid just non-stop running in the pandemic so it could work both ways you know where one year you're kind of you're cracking you're barely cracking all state next year you're qualifying for the olympics so so i mean once again what a heck of a running season i'm glad that we got to have like runners like hunter jones julia flynn on the podcast i'm also really glad that we have runners like hunter jones and julia flynn coming back for us to see run next fall in cross country and see run next spring and track. It's, it's crazy to think, but we still have a lot of really young runners and a lot of really good talent here. I mean, as you said, Buckley's Aiden Haran, just a freshman winning the state title over there in that mile. So I think we're going to have some really good distance kids coming out of Northern Michigan here in the near future. Let's go ahead and take a dive over into the baseball and softball districts. There was so much to unpack there. 
James, we had, I think, five teams. We're going to mention them here. I, I, I think we had five teams win districts that haven't won a district in a very long time. I think first and foremost I have to bring up is Traverse City West Softball. Traverse City West Softball had their first, their, their first share of the Big North Conference since 2006. And that was big enough for them. They split with Gaylord, and then they said, oh, we want this district. We know we can do it this year. They win the district, and that's the first district they've had since 2004. It's the first time in school history that they've ever won both in the same season. That's big for Traverse City West softball. I mean, we've been talking about Brittany Steimel mm-hmm. and Lydia Hymas and Casey Sowers and all these girls for a couple of years now, right? And I think when, you know, when we got here and Brittany was a freshman, we go, man, she's going to do something crazy. Four years later, you look and you see that they've got a Division One district title of their name. I was hearing about Brittany Steimel when she was in eighth grade. I kept hearing about how there was this girl that was in eighth grade that would be probably the number one starter as an eighth grader for TC West <laughs> when she was there. And her older sister was on the team, but not a pitcher. She was a second baseman. So, yeah, she was somebody that they really saw coming from a ways away and were really excited to, to get. And I think she, she lived up to that billing, you know. Maybe if she had played at a really small school, you can play them as eighth graders. Yeah, right. Because I was like, I was at the uh, the Lake Luana St. Mary softball district, and, you know, I asked when was the last time you won a softball district and he's like oh they, well, these girls won one when they when the seniors were eighth in eighth grade and this but they could have played in the eighth grade yeah at like when St. mary tc west obviously you can't but i mean either way but just to do that in the to do that in the, t- in the two years i mean with another team in the league like gaylord too is is pretty tremendous i mean gaylord's in division two in, in softball and they're still going as well um but i mean it, it you should you should see the picture that Dave Kenny changed his uh, profile picture to I think in on Facebook, like his banner picture or whatever. It's just hey, like somebody took a picture of him like jumping up and down after the game. <laughs> Nonetheless, congratulations to Traverse City West. That's a big one. I mean, we we know that uh, they've been working hard for that, and you know you talked about Gaylord. Gaylord also goes and takes a Division Two district title. That was a really that was a really interesting district actually. That was in, that was they had Gaylord. Cadillac, Ogemaw Heights, and Gladwin. Gaylord wins 3-0 to zero in the opening game, which is pretty tight for a Gaylord game, right? Jaden Jones, we've been talking all year. 15Ks? That's, yeah. She's, oh. Both when she talked to you, she talked to me. We both go to the games. Jaden, you know, very humble. Yeah. Very good. She goes, I'm, I'm not pitching to strike anybody out. I'm just pitching to get outs. I got a good defense behind me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 15Ks. 15Ks. Yeah. She was a three-hitter. Yeah, and then no hitters in the other two games. That, in yes, exactly, game. exactly. So Cadillac, Ashlyn Lundquist, we've been talking about here all year, and we know that she's been a, basically you know, the, the big driver for that team. She throws a no-hitter against Ogemaw Heights, and like talk about needing a no-hitter. They win 1-0. to zero. She throws a seven-inning no-hitter with 14 strikeouts, and then she's the person who gets a hit, gets the run, and steals three bases to get that run. So Ashlyn Lundquist really, really kind of catalyzed her own no-hitter there. There was only three other hits in the game um, from her team. So not a very big offensive game. She kind of just had to make everything happen herself. So then Gaylord and Cadillac play in that district final. And Avery Parker, 
No Hits Cadillac. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show, Avery Parker, No Hits Cadillac. Helps herself out, goes two for four with three RBIs in that game. So you see in that, you see Ashton Lundquist, Avery Parker, helping themselves out, mm-hmm. getting no hitters in that district by, you know, really making something happen with their batter, with their feet. I mean, in that game, otherwise, there's a whole bunch of offense from Gaylord, but... God, what a district. Two no-hitters from two of our best area pitchers. Yeah, three shutouts. Yeah, literally. Talk about, like... Three shutouts, two no-hitters. That's that's pretty crazy. That's some good softball, actually. Yeah. And on the contrary, some people might not think so, but I think that's some really good softball right there. You you look at the uh, Traverse City-St. Francis. You know, they, they kind of rolled through their district. Uh, they beat Kingsley 6-0, to zero, which kind of surprised me. We saw Kingsley give... Gaylord, a good run for their money. They were the, really the closest game during the regular season. We know that they were pretty good defensively, and Carly Roloffs really was good on good in the circle and could really smack the ball for Kingsley, but 6-0 to zero for St. Francis. And then they get to play Manton in the final, and they win 11-3. to three. Hammering Cameron Craig with the win from the circle. Definitely, um, you know, not a surprise with Traverse City-St. Francis. Only a few losses on the season for them. So them getting a district title really does not surprise any of us at all. Uh, Kalkaska... Another one of those teams that when they get to this point in the season, this is when you really get to see uh, you know, what they're made of, and they showed it. A really impressive 2-1 to win over Ross Common in the district semifinal and then 17-2 to win over Mancelona in the district final after Mancelona beat Elk Rapids in that other half of the district. Yeah, and Mia, Mia Miller striking out 16 in the first game and then 9 in the second. Yeah. That is – she allowed 7 hits. Across over, the whole over day. Two, over two, day, two games. Yeah, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, and then the the other team that we didn't mention who won a district in softball was Misik. That was an absolute destruction when they did that. They actually did that last Friday instead of last Saturday. But they played Bear Lake, beat them twenty four to two in the first game, and then they played Frankfurt and beat them fifteen to five in the second game. Which will meet Lake Leonard St. Mary, who yeah, won was, that Glen Lake district. Yeah, and that was a good that was a good district. That game between them and Forest Area uh, ended up being nine seven. It was a good, entertaining game the whole way through. I ended up not watching a whole lot of the baseball game between Frankfurt and Glen Lake because the softball game was so good. Uh, and uh, and I was able to get good photos from the baseball game early because uh, they have the short fence that you can shoot from, whereas softball has a taller fence, so you have to kind of be able to shoot between the wires. <laughs> a little more tricky. But uh, both teams impressive in that. Forest area is going to be, I think, a team to watch for next season. They they don't lose anybody who started in the district championship game. That's good. Uh, they had they had one senior on the team, and she was at the track state finals instead on Saturday. Uh, and Macy Turner who, uh, uh, for Forest Area, and uh, I believe she placed on one of the relays. Was it, mm-hmm. was it with Megan Lange? Yep, yep mm-hmm. was an all state placer. But uh, but so she's the only person that they that they lose from that team, and they got some headers. I mean, Brianna Niss is a good pitcher. Uh, that's a, I think it's a team to watch out for next year. Um, but but Lake Leland on St. Mary, credit to him, was able to was able to get past them in this game, and and they have a pretty good all around team too. Yeah, yeah. There's a few girls there. I know. I think it was Delana Kurt um, did a really good yeah. job with, from the circle in one of those games. And then who who's their other pitcher? Kurt didn't pitch that game. It was Dashner. Hannah Dashner. Okay, that's it. That's right. Hannah, Hannah Dashner. Hannah Dashner pitched the final, and she she won that one. You know, kind of kept them off base. Forest Area has some big hitters that have some good power. Um, and Leah Fleece for for uh, Lake Illinois St. Mary too, man. She's going to be good. She's like a good she, athlete all around. Yeah, no, she's a she's only a freshman. Yeah, I remember seeing her play basketball, and she was good. Yeah, yeah, she, man, she's going to be a nice athlete out there. Yeah, I mean, I mean that for softball, that basically, uh, you know, that basically does it for softball. But 
I'm going to kind of bring this up in passing because it's going to be my transition here. But we just talked about Misik absolutely crushing you know, their district. Misik is going to play Lake Leonel St. Mary in the regional round. We'll talk about that here in the, the chatter that matters. But Misik girls win the district and the Misik boys go out and the baseball team wins their first district title since 2009. Baseball team in their district look pretty darn solid too. I mean, they have a nice defense. Misik plays very well on defense, especially in the infield. Um, I, you didn't, I didn't see a whole lot of balls get hit into the outfield against them, and their, but their defense was scooping up everything. I mean, two shutouts in that district. Uh, they beat Manistee Catholic 8-0 to and then Bear Lake 7-0, to like I said, for their first district title since mm-hmm. 2009. That, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, they turned a 6-4-3 double play. How much do you see that in Division Four at baseball? All the way across, not very Just often. straight-up 6-4-3 six, six, double play. Not very often. Now, I mean, a couple other districts, obviously, we got to bring up Trevor, you know, the Division One district with Traverse City West, Traverse City Central. We had our guys on last week with Wyatt Danielevich and Josh Klug, and we thought they might get a chance to face off in the district final. That didn't happen. Traverse City Central ended up falling 4-3 to three in the district semifinal to Mount Pleasant, while Traverse City West won 14-0 to over Alpena, setting Traverse City West up with Mount Pleasant in that district final where they won 5-3. to three. And that is their second straight district title, obviously without a season last year. Since 2019, they had to. Uh, Daniel Levich uh, had 15 Ks in that district final game. They held on to him. They had Trevor C. Central had Klug pitch game one against Mount, uh, Mount Pleasant. Uh, did not turn out in their favor. But, you know, I, I know we really wanted that matchup. Other one that happened on Friday was Gaylord St. Mary. They hosted their own district. Um, obviously rolled through that. Uh, that's probably... F- I, I can't even tell you. I didn't talk to Bob DeLong, but it's probably 13 straight district titles for Gaylord St. Mary at this point. Something like that. I it, mean, it's the, it's up there. Yeah, St. Mary baseball has been rolling for a couple decades. Yeah, so it, it's probably it's probably well up into the double digits. Um, but they get another one. We know they skipped a year. We know that they have not had the best year. But, man, Gaylord St. Mary has been filled with athletes from the start with Chris Koshoniak and Conrad Cordy. All those guys are just as good at baseball as they are at anything else. So I still think that they have another shot at another semifinal, even if it didn't look. I mean, they lost a lot of people from the last couple of years on that baseball team, but I still think they have a good shot at a semifinal in Division Four if they just keep up what they've been doing. Yeah, they get uh, what they get. They get Rogers City in the regionals, uh, and at Rogers City, they have to play at Rogers City too. That's really not that far for them, though, which is nice. No, not far, but you know, but Rogers City gets the home field advantage. Yeah. You know, just like Glen Lake does against Glen Lake plays Ellsworth. That's the only other uh, local. That's the only game I think in the baseball matchups and regionals we have where two local teams are playing each other. Local Glen v Lake, local. Glen Lake is playing Ellsworth in Glen Lake. Yeah, I guess we could talk about that that district really quick. Might as well uh, bring that on up. So yeah, James, you were over at that Glen Lake district. We're able to you know take some pictures, see a couple of those games. Uh, Glen Lake ends up winning its ninth consecutive district title, but it wasn't without a little bit of. Uh, Pretty good games there in the first couple that you saw. Yeah, the the semifinals especially. Uh, you know, with Sutton's Bay starting off the day with a, a seven to six win over Lake Leonard St. Mary in that game, and I think they were down six to nothing or six to one at one point late in the game. Uh, came back, won the game on a couple of uh, scored a couple runs late on some uh, some some defensive miscues, but um, saw a video of the one. The one run that scored on it, I can't remember if it was a pass ball or a wild pitch that they scored it, but a kid from Sutton's Bay came in and just put a really good slide in where he kind of slid wide to the right of the bag and reached his hand in on the plate. 
because um, it was a bang bang play. I mean, they got or Lake got the ball back to the plate pretty well um, on a pass ball and uh, and made it a close play. But that game ended up seven to six, and then the other semifinal was Glen Lake and Frankfurt. So you know, two two other rivals yeah. playing each other from the same conference again, and. Uh, Pitchers duel in that one between Ryan Flores from from Glen Lake and Blake Miller from Frankfurt. And that was a, f- a four to three game, and uh, and then you know the final was not was not that close. You know, no, Glen Lake Glen Lake kind of won that one pretty easily against Suns Bay, but was it 15, still, 15 to one? Fifteen to one, yeah. I mean, Suns Bay, I think maybe use a lot of their juice to come back from a six run deficit in that district semifinal. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it's easier in those districts formats to be playing back-to-back games rather than have that game off in between. Do the morning watch and then play again. That's because that's what Sutton's Bay had to do. They had the morning, they had that emotional win at the last minute of the big comeback to win that game, and then they had to sit there and watch Glen Lake and Frankfurt on a hot day, yeah. too, and then turn on a play again. So I wonder if it's easier to to flip that switch or, or not even have to flip the switch to keep the switch flipped on yeah, the and never time. turn it off if you play the second game and then go into the final. Well, I, you know, I'll make it even harder. We'll talk about a district that didn't finish until almost 8.30 on Saturday because of two rain delays, believe it or not. It was very nice in the Traverse City area, but you go a little bit north up towards Petoskey, and that humidity turned into a little bit of rain coming off of the lake. That was a big. That was like a big district for us, though. That had Kingsley, Cadillac, Gaylord, and Petoskey in that district. With I believe was it Ogama Heights, but that that was played earlier in the week. But on Saturday, that's who's playing out in Petoskey, and they had two rain delays uh, in the middle of the games. Let alone having to play an early game. So Kingsley goes out in the early game, whatever ten o'clock in the morning, and they thrash Cadillac eleven to one, which I heard through the grapevine, you know. Or this, this district didn't really think Kingsley was going to be able to compete too much because Kingsley's usually in Division Three. Usually D3. They get up to move to Division Two, basically play the whole Big North Conference in a district uh, when they're usually Division Three, and they thrash Cadillac 11-1 to in that opening game. But then Petoskey and Gaylord play after a rain delay. Petoskey wins 4-3. to And then so Kingsley sits around all day, and there's another rain delay during their district final with Petoskey. They get through two innings, and then they go through another hour-long rain delay. They end up losing to Petoskey, ten to two. I mean, we, Petoskey probably was a favorite in that district to start off with, but a couple of rain delays. It doesn't help anybody. I just you talk about what would it be like. Talk about having to stop three or four times in a day when you're trying to win a district title. Yeah, that would that would just be pretty hard to deal with, I would think. But uh, yeah, Kingsley moving up to Division Two. Ironically, the the softball team is still down in D three, but the baseball team's up in D two. There's a couple of schools around here that that happened to this season. Well, and Kingsley is one student away from the cusp is the difference. Is I, I found that out at the track meet, at the honor roll track meet, that Kingsley is literally one student away from being classified a division higher. Yeah, and I think Misik is kind of on that border, too, where they're almost in Division three, but not quite. And they're, you know, they're worried that maybe the boys or the girls will get bumped up to Division three. And with all right. the success they've had in Division four this year. Yeah. But, I mean, talk about uh, Division Three. Let's go into the, the district at St. Francis. Obviously, we knew that St. Francis was going to be the favorite here after what they've done over the last four years in the Lake Michigan Conference, and this basically rehashing some of that. Elk Rapids beats T.C. Christian in that first game, and then St. Francis rolls through the next two, uh, beating Grayling 14-1 to and Elk Rapids 16-0. to 
They get to play Harbor Springs in the regional semifinal on Wednesday. Uh, that'll be interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Another Division Three one has happened down at Manton. Uh, Benzie Central. This is the, another one of the ones that we kind of talked about at the beginning of the episode. Who won a district title for the first time in a very, very long time. Benzie Central has had some good good games this year, but then they go into this district and they beat Manton 21-0. to Benzie Central then beats Manistee, who beat Lake City 6-2 in the district semifinal. They beat them 13-3, to which I couldn't get an exact date, and I was you know very emotional. Everybody was happy. Coach Johnson was super excited just about it. He, he had no idea. He said he thinks it's been about 20 years. Uh, sometime in the early 2000s uh, was when the last time he said he believes the Huskies won a district title. But um, nonetheless, I know I talked to Chris Herman at Glen Lake. He actually called back to be like, hey, he – he called back to be like, hey, what happened with Benzie? And I didn't know yet that I got the scores in, and I saw that they won. And Chris Herman was just elated, almost as elated as Eric Johnston was because he goes, oh, my God, Benzie won a district. It's been a long time. But, you know, Benzie, they, they rolled through that district um, pretty handily. Chris Dunlop doing a really good job for them. Jared Streeter. Theo Reed really is the guy who came up with the bats for them in those couple of games. He went five for five with six RBIs and four runs in that game against Manton. And then he went... Two for four with two more RBIs in that district final. So he was one of those guys who really helped propel Benzie Central to that first district crown in about 20 years. And you mentioned earlier, the only other, the only local on local regional we have is Ellsworth versus Glen Lake in the regional semifinal game. Uh, that's because Ellsworth took the district crown out at Central Lake. They beat Central Lake eight to five in game one. And then, you know, we talked about this team last week when they beat Wolverine or whatever. Bel Air put up 18 runs on Forest Area. And won, I think, their fourth game of the year. But they won in the, the district semifinal. And then they go and they get beat 16-4 to by Ellsworth. So Ellsworth will be playing Glenton Lake in that regional quarterfinal coming up on Wednesday. Yeah, at Glen Lake. At Glen Lake. At home, too, which is nice. There's a couple of schools, actually, who are getting home field advantage here in the next round. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that more in the chatter that matters. we got to get there after our interview with Traverse City St. Francis state champions in the 4x800 relay half of that school record-breaking and state championship team, Thomas Richards and Jacob Moringa. Let's get a listen to that now. Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in two state champions from Traverse City, St. Francis, Junior Thomas Richards. Thanks for having me. And Junior Jacob Haranga. Howdy, good to be here. We are uh, moving fast through this interview like our Freaky Fast Five. We got five rapid-fire questions. A nod to our sponsors at Jimmy John's. James, I know you're loaded with our first one. What do you got? All right, what, what is your favorite type of foreign food? Pizza does not count as foreign food. That's we're no, we're not going to count that. Chinese food. Chinese? Uh, right. I'll go with pasta just because it's Italian. Would you rather vacation in Hawaii or Alaska? Hawaii, for sure. Ho- Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah. paradise. Even if you guys live in like a beach town, you want to like go off into like the wilderness, like Bear Grylls? I mean, it'd be cool, but... Yeah. We kind of have like a good mix of that here, right? We have like a Bear Grylls and like a Hawaii feel in Traverse yeah, City. That ain't too bad. Yeah, we're really lucky to grow up here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if you could go back in time, what year would you travel to? No clue. <laughs> What about, okay, or if you could go to the future, how far would you go? Give it 100 years. At least, yeah. yeah. 
100 years. Yeah, like, literally like how f- bad it is. You don't want to go too far. <laughs> yeah, because then it could be like like Terminator stuff. Everything's like just gone. Yeah. yeah. But like imagine imagine if like you went 100 years and it was like, wow, everything's actually really cool. And then you're like, why didn't I go three? And like we could have been floating. Who knows? Yeah. We all have jetpacks. Me- it's Mega Man nowadays. Or it just could have been the Matrix. Yeah, or Tron. <laughs> or I don't know. Who knows what type of futuristic situation. I don't know if you guys read, but what's your favorite book to read? Uh, probably the Harry Potter series. Oh, Harry Potter's good. Uh, my favorite book uh, was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, from somebody your age, I would not feel like that was the one that was going to come out of your mouth. Know. I kind of like that. I like it that. It was good. I like that. I think we have one more, maybe two. All right. They're always fun. Yeah. Well, uh, what company or franchise do you wish would go out of business? <laughs> I'm trying Facebook. to think of how I would answer that. Yeah. yeah Facebook. That's a good one. I don't know why. It just kind of popped into my mind. Probably wouldn't be the worst thing for the world. Yeah, true. He's gonna say Facebook. That uh, that leads me to say Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that one's worse. Yeah, that's like the more degenerate place. But yeah. hey, follow us on Twitter. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, if you guys have Twitters, you want to plug. Now's the time. It's the most. It's the worst place to look. We'll go with one more. What What did you want to be when you were six years old? A marine biologist. I wanted to be a fighter jet pilot for like the Blue Angels. Okay. Is yeah. it still the same? No. No. Okay. I feel like it's never the same. Yeah. Um, I think that was the Freaky Fast Five. Um, five or, rapid fire. Or six. Yeah, or yeah. seven, whatever it might be. My favorite's a number nine, that uh, that Vito or whatever. Italian nightclub over there at Jimmy John's. So make sure you give our sponsors a little a little nod. We're going to get into the rest of the interview here with these state champion relay runners. You guys were part of the 4x800 state championship relay for Traverse City St. Francis. You guys had a better day earlier in the week than yep. you did technically yeah. uh, on Saturday. At the Record Eagle John Lober honor roll meet, you guys beat everybody else in Traverse City, you know, all the people you know and have run with, and broke your school record in that 3,200. Before we get to your state championship, I want to talk about what it's like beating everybody in the bigger divisions, in the bigger schools, and breaking a school record, you know, kind of in your hometown. What was that like? And I guess we'll start with you, Thomas. Earlier in the season when we were at the uh, Ken Bell Invitational, it was a really tough race in between us and TC Central, and I ended up outkicking Central's anchor to win it, but... um or get second because East Kentwood beat us. Like, what was it, Tuesday, I think. They didn't put out a full team, and we were we were going for that record. Like, from the moment we woke up, we were like, we're, we're getting it today. And uh, our third runner came in. I looked at the clock, and I was like, okay, I think we can do this. And came through the second lap, and I was like, okay, well, I got to run like a 65 second to break it, and I think I ended up running like a 63, so we broke it by about two seconds, and... Uh, it was pretty exhilarating. Like, there's not many feelings that can describe it, I'd say, just because you got everybody depends on each other. Like, they, the three guys set me up to uh, bring it home, and I was able to do it. But you got to give the credit to everyone else, too. Like, it was, it was huge. Our first runner ran, like, 158. Then I think Jacob ran a 208. 208, yeah. yeah. And then um, our third runner, Bryson, he ran a... It was too flat. Is what yeah, too yeah. flat. And then I was like a 203, 204. So, yeah, it was, it's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, and I know like you, um, getting getting through that relay, I think you guys ran, what was it, 812? Yep. Yeah. 50-something or 57 something. or something like that was was the school record. I mean, that's cooking. It is. That, that's cooking. Yeah. I, I mean, you guys got close. I think your closest time before that was 823. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you guys, yeah. you guys shaved, as a team, 11 seconds off in one meet. What was the motivation, and how did you guys make that happen, Jacob? Um, mainly our motivation was, like, 
freshman year, the same team, we were two seconds away from qualifying for states at regionals, right? Yep, it, two seconds. It was two seconds. We were, like, heartbroken over that. Yeah. And then this year, our 4x8 started, we started the season with a different 4x8 team, but then it eventually came back around to Bryson being our third runner. And we were like, we got to get this right this time. And like Thomas said, he was like, we're going for that dang record. Yeah. <laughs> and so two seconds, that's like, that in a relay, that only feels like a couple of steps, doesn't oh, yeah. it? Yeah. Like, that, that's really only a couple of steps. How do you guys as a collective shave off 11 seconds, though? That's, that. I mean, that that's a lot for any race, let alone a school record to, to shatter it. I think you guys actually beat it by like three and a half or something. I think it, I think it was two. Two, okay, yeah. I think it was around like 214 or something like that. But you guys, you guys beat beat the school record. Yeah, you know, yeah. it wasn't just like shaving off. How did you guys kind of do that as a team? Well, we tried me going first at conference and didn't go very well. So we put Zeeland back to first. And the thing with him is he doesn't lose yeah, no in one that beats situation. Zeeland. Like if he's in front of you, or even if even if he's behind you, he's coming for you. He's gonna get you, and that's that's basically what happened. So that's why he was able to pull out such a fast split. And so, right when he handed off to Jacob, I was like, okay, we're in such a good shape right now. And I think the the big reason we were able to drop so much time from regionals to the honor roll meet was because we switched up the runners. Like at regionals, we had a guy go two thirteen. So you take him out and you put in a two flat, like. I was expecting Bryson to go like two weeks or something, mm-hmm. and he just pulled out a two flat out of nowhere because he'd only run the 800 once so far that year, or this year, I guess. And uh, once he handed it off to me, I was like, okay, we got this in the bag now. Like, You guys break that school record on Tuesday. What does that do for your confidence going into the state meet in Division <laughs> Four? That's what I mean. You beat Trevor yeah. C- even though they're not a full team or whatever, yeah. you beat Trevor C. Central, you beat Trevor C. West, who... They in those races, they all qualified for states in Division One. Yeah. You beat all those guys, and then what's that do for confidence to go take a state meet on on Saturday, Jacob? It, our confidence was like through the roof. At uh, the honor roll meet, I actually ran slower than my PR, and we still got the school record. So I was like, "Oh, we got this in the bag." Yeah, because I can give like at least six more seconds, and everybody else just runs the same, and we're gonna crush it. Yeah. yeah so it's like oh, we have we have wiggle room, huh? Yeah. yeah. How, how much did you guys win by at States? Uh, we won by four seconds. Okay. So does that feel like wiggle room, or does it feel oh, like yes. you could have did more? Yeah. It, it feels like wiggle room because, like, yeah, when you look at it, four seconds is just, like, a moment of time. But, like, when you're in the race, that's enough time to, like, look behind you and, like, wave at him or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's enough time to – it's a very considerable amount. That's probably about 10 meters. So um, – You guys are comfortable there. Yeah. How hot was it at the finals? It was back and forth. Yeah. Each mm-hmm. leg, like, started out, Zeeland was behind our main competition, and he ended up passing them towards the end of the leg. Jacob did the exact same thing. Bryson did the exact same thing. When it came to my leg, we were ahead when I got the baton, but the third-place team that finished uh, from Caro, their anchor just smoked past me, and I was like, you're going to die out. Like, I'll, I'll sit on you and wait because I know that he was probably going to die out. I didn't know how fast he was because I didn't really study his times too much, but I just I sat right on him, and we got about 300 meters to go, and I was like, okay, it's time to make a move because I didn't really want to pass him on the corner because that's so much more like length to run. So I passed him on the straightaway, back straightaway, and uh, I was able to outkick him, and then actually the team from Harbor Springs ended up catching them too. And, yeah, it was. I'd say it was the best race of our lives for sure. Yeah. 
Is, is there more pressure when you get the baton if you're behind or ahead when you get the baton? I'd say it depends on the situation. I, I mean, like either. It. Oh, wait. No, go, ahead, go ahead. I like it better when there's someone in front of me. There's there's a lot less pressure there because you just go and get them. Yeah. Whereas if you're ahead, you have to keep that, and you can't look behind you. I actually take the opposite approach. <laughs> I like being chased because it just gets me scared, and I was like, I don't want to lose to anyone. So, but yeah, I mean, like Jacob said, it's also, it's also fun to chase people down. Yeah. yeah. Do you feel you have a better chance just in general, not just in a relay, but do you have a, both of you as runners, do you feel you have a better chance of catching somebody or being caught? Uh, I trust my end of the race sprint a lot. I, I really like passing people in the end. So um, I'd say definitely catching people. Yeah, I think it's like mentally easier to catch people because you can see them yeah. and you have a goal to like run towards. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's like the most obscure like technical part of of a relay race that most people don't know like the people would just watch a relay and they're just like okay it's just a guy handing a baton off to it at least in my head what goes on is like if you're trying to go for a certain time it's really difficult to be able to keep yourself on pace for like let's say that record time like i think him and i have been doing it enough that we know like what a good pace feels like in order for us to run a fast time but like some people they just go all out in that first lap for, in the 800 for instance and like they just die out you got to know how to like kind of balance it you want to be faster on that first lap but you don't want to be way faster because that takes the risk of dying in the end and having people catch you so yeah you have to the 800s like long enough where you can pace it but it's not short enough where you can just just suicide it and just go keep all going, out yeah I mean, so and you guys are more distance runners. Yes. yes. Uh, but I, I don't, especially that I've seen coaches towards the end of the season. You know, they'll toss you in a four hundred just to get your get your splits up, kind of help yeah. you taper everything like that. I mean, what what does that type of training do for you guys? Or like, what type of workouts do you guys like to do that changes it up from just your normal, you know, routine eight hundred run? How does that kind of help you? Well, we do four hundreds a lot. We'll do like eight to twelve sometimes. And for me, I'm actually. Uh, besides the 800, I'd say the 400 is probably my next best event. And so, like, I'm kind of used to it, but at the same time, it helps so much. Because, like, that 400, for me at least, it's an all-out sprint. And the 800, it's close to sprinting the whole time, but you still got to, like, pull it in and, like, be able to uh, pace yourself, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, those those 400 workouts we did this year and then you you add some 200s into it at the end like all out 200s and those are killer yeah we did a lot of 400s this year (laughs) yeah we didn't do my favorite workout though my favorite workout running workout of all time is just hill sprints those those just make you so fast just straight up a hill yeah literally it's not even like stadium stairs you're talking about up a hill like up a hill yeah do you have a favorite hill to run on uh wayne hill I, I don't know where, where is that at. Okay. Over by uh, Hickory Hills. Okay. Randolph Randolph Street has. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. Yeah. Pass letters. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs> I like going up uh, the hill that goes up to the Country Club. Oh, that's a steep one too. Yeah, I know one, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one's that one's tough to say the least. All of them are tough. Like we don't we don't do it in tracks just because mm. we're always at the track. We don't really have hills to run, but in cross country we do that at least once a week. I'd say. Mm. Yeah. Are right. hills, hills better than stairs? Yeah. 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 I mean, because you're able to, like, actually stride out. Like, if you're if you're going on stairs, like, yeah, you can skip a few, but then you risk a chance of, like, 
slipping and falling and breaking your face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Like Thorby's no good for that. No, like no. like the concrete no. up there. Oh no, that does not look that does not sound like fun. On the other hand, if you just slip and you fall, you roll down a hill. I mean, you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back when I was younger, I used to sneak into Thoroughby and just run the, run the bleachers. Try to do the old Rocky style? Is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man. We all, we all try to get there someday. <laughs> okay, so on the team, who's a good cop and who's a bad cop? Who's always we keeping all, you guys we all straight? Know Julie's the bad cop. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> eh, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> you got that. Okay, I'll be honest. I'm one of the bad cops. We got a few. Uh, we like to we like to mess around a little bit but i mean when it comes down to business we all focus for the most part um i can say that about the mid-distance group and the distance group not so much the sprinters (laughs) yeah they tend to goof off a lot good cop though good cop do we have one do we i feel like they're either hard on everybody or they just mind their own business they're just there to run yeah i don't really know if we have a good cop i'd say the closest that would come to that would be coach labelle um okay. yeah. I can see that. Yeah. The voice of reason. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one on the team. <laughs> Coach LaBelle, I feel bad for you. <laughs> I have to deal with all these guys all the time. Yeah. I mean I mean yeah, I mean you guys you guys are cross country runners as well. Do you guys do any other sports, what any other hobbies, anything like that, uh over the summertime? We're just getting about to get out of school here and obviously should be training, but what else do you guys what else do you guys get into? Uh I play basketball. So um Last year was my first year in varsity and played two years of JV before that, and I'm playing again this year. So um, that was my first love, but running's kind of taken over. Um, I used to play football. What about you? It's not a summer thing, but I started cross-country skiing. Okay. That it's, It was really sweet. It's like just like running, but faster. And it's so nice because it's freezing cold, but everybody's out there and like, just pants and short sleeve t-shirts because it's so much cardio and i I feel like it prepped me well for track when i did it yeah i mean that's like a whole like a whole season that you still get to get out and do that whole like actual movement we've covered plenty across country i mean are you going to be getting into into like the vasa races and stuff like that is that stuff you're going to look into eventually uh maybe i don't know i couldn't do it this past year because i had uh shoulder surgery okay but it might be something i look into yeah you guys got a pretty good club team too we do yeah we uh we got second in that in the four by four. Okay. Too, yeah. Okay. So you guys got you had two all state finishes. Yeah, was that the same team? Just about. Jacob was the only difference actually. Okay. He, he wasn't in the four by four. We had a sophomore named Judge on it. Um. Oh yeah. What's his last? Uh, Morgan. Judge Morgan. Yeah, Judge yeah. Morgan. That just sounds like a TV show. So yeah, I've, we, I remembered that one. We ended up we ended up breaking a twenty five year old school record. Okay. So that's that, two. Yeah. We were on 330.11, and we lost by 0.2 seconds. Oh. So it was very agonizing, um, but we all, we, all, we all ran the best we could. I mean, I actually had to, like, dive off the track afterwards because I was going to get trampled because it was so close. But um, Austin, the team that won, I ended up pulling away, and, God, it was, it was so close. Does that feel good or bad that you break a record but lose? Because I kind of had that same thing. Like, you guys at the honor moment, you saw yeah. Luke Van Heisen run with Hunter Jones. Oh, yeah. That was and, crazy. like, that's the, what a race. You know, Hunter Jones breaks, you know, the, the Memorial Cup record yep. that has been standing since 1997. But so does Luke. Yeah. Luke beats it by, like, two seconds. And I just wonder, how does that feel to, like, break a record but still have it kind of overshadowed because you didn't actually win, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing that we broke it. I still would have. I think I obviously would have rather had that title than break the record. But, I mean... At the same time, like, uh, we were so happy about it. The pain of not winning, 
was completely overshadowed by just breaking that record because, I mean, we only broke it by like 0.6 seconds, but um, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. We weren't expecting that at all because our our best time before that was a 3:34, and so we took four seconds off in a week and. No one was expecting that. We were seated six. I said, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a theme. You know, we're not expecting to cut twelve seconds. Yep. And just here we go. <laughs> I mean, that's another one of your teammates that uh, you know, Coach Duffing actually brought up to me was Zenner Tarrant. Yep. Uh, surprised, really good for you guys. I mean, w- I think you guys finished. What, what was it as a team? Eighth. Eighth. I would say yep. so. Yeah. But he, she said one of the reasons was him. You know, coming and showing up. Yep. He was seated twentieth in the hurdles. Ended up finishing like sixth. Yeah. I mean, that's like a yeah. big jump. What What's going on with the gladiators that you guys are just outperforming expectations? What's going on I with mean, that? All glory to God at the end of the day. I mean, we our team culture is so centered around our faith and just our commitment to making each other better. That I mean, yeah, it's it's been a surprise to everyone else, but we we knew how good we could be. Maybe not that good to win a state title, but I mean, once we broke that record we were like wow this is this is crazy Alrighty, guys well thomas jacob thank you guys so much for joining us here for episode 179 congratulations on a state title school records uh you know all state finishes and a couple of those relays and obviously we get to have you guys back here to probably lead those relay teams again next year get to defend those titles so good luck to you guys and thank you for being here All right, thank, thank you, you. Another huge thank you to Thomas and Jacob for joining us here at the Get Around. They will be heard from, or you'll hear their names, at least one more time on this podcast a little bit later in the Hall of Fame. That interview is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's, freak yeah. That's going to put us into our chatter that matters. We got... Uh, about a dozen games to talk about. We're going to run through some of them. Not all of them, but some of the more interesting ones that we have left this week. We did not get a chance to talk about soccer so far on this episode. Uh, last week, we did see the districts play out. We got kind of lucky you know, that we had our episode on Wednesday last week, so we got to talk about that Elk rapids Boyne City game. But you know, there was only a few teams left after that point when we were here on Wednesday. So to update you, uh, Cadillac, go ahead, and they beat Gaylord. Um, on Saturday, there was basically we're going to have a local one out of there. I believe the score was six to one. They ended up beating Gaylord, and then we had Boyne City beat Sheboygan eight to zero. Basically, no surprise there. We talked about that last Wednesday, and we thought it was going to be a, a mercy win. And then Traverse City West was our other team left, and they lost in the district final to Midland Dow four to one. But we have a couple of games still here to go. Oh yeah, and we had McBain NMC and Buckley. That's right, Buckley, who is only in their second year as a soccer program, is in a district final. And has a chance against McBain and MC, uh, where they were tied at halftime, one to one. McBain and MC ended up dropping three goals in the second half. But uh, we have three teams, three games left in the soccer playoffs. James, where are we starting out with? Yeah, Division Two Cadillac. I mean, they've got a, a pretty tough matchup playing Cedar Springs. Uh, Cedar Springs is a team that's fifteen and four, similar record to Cadillac, but uh, Cedar Springs is playing at home in this game, which could be. Uh, could be a difference maker there. Um, so that game is on uh, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock at Cedar Springs. Division three, we've got Boyne City. They get Grand Rapids West Catholic. That's going to be at Comstock Park, so that's almost a home game for West Catholic. Yep. Uh, it's just across town. It's also a 7 o'clock game on, on Wednesday or on, on Tuesday. And uh, that's a game that I, I 
I totally see Boyne City winning that game, I think. And then they would get the winner of Tawas and Big Rapids. Um, so I would expect to see Big Rapids yep. Boyne in the in the final. And that should be a pretty good game, but I think Boyne can still take that one. Yeah, and then you look at Boyne, if they, uh, if they get through this week, they're back in the semifinals once again. And we talked about them when we had Jordan and Taylor Noble on. Um, we know what they're looking for this year. Uh, they're looking pretty good so far. We got one more with that McBain NMC and Buckley match. McBain NMC making their way through. They've had a pretty good soccer program over the last couple of years. They have, what, North Muskegon in the next round? How do you think they'll fare there? Yeah, they have North Muskegon, who's a, a, a very good team. Um, and good in a lot of sports. I mean, I saw them earlier this year against St. Francis in baseball, and they were really good there, too. But uh, this game's going to be played at Cadillac, so a little bit more of a home game for McBain. Not a very long trip for them. Um that's, that's a 5 o'clock game rather than a 7 o'clock like the other two. McBain's going to have its work cut out for it against North Muskegon, but you know I, this could be one that they could pull out. The other half of that district, or regional, is Harbor Springs and Midland Calvary Baptist. The final would be right back in Cadillac. So yeah. Yeah, McBain looking to keep that home field sort of feel going. The home field feel. Yeah, I, 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 We've already kind of talked a lot about soccer in the last couple of weeks, and once that shaked out last week with Point City Elk Rapids. I mean, I still look at Point City and I go, man, we have a legitimate shot for a soccer state title in the girls' side. They're 18-1 and 2 this season. And, uh, man, we, we, we just, if you had a chance, go back and listen to, I believe it was episode 177 of the Get Around podcast with Jordan and Taylor Noble, the sisters who are kind of making that happen and who are going to Muskegon Community College uh, to play soccer next year. Uh, let's talk about a couple of these, uh, not all of them, but a couple of these baseball teams and softball teams that are left here. You know, the big one who, you know, we think has its shot in softball is probably Gaylord. Division two is going to be rough. They're a young team, and, I mean, throwing no hitters in the playoffs against conference foes who you've seen before, you know, smacking the ball. We haven't seen their offense do quite as much as they were before, but they have Escanaba in the next round, and then they could possibly be playing either Whitehall or Big Rapids. I mean, Big Rapids, that looks like another... Another one of those might be playing, and Big Rapids has had a pretty good year so far this year. Thirty-three and five on them. You know, Gaylord has only got what one loss still on the season, so that's exciting for us up here. Yeah, and they're they're you know they're playing Escanaba, which is uh, quite often the cream of the crop in in this division in the UP. Um, I, I I think Gaylord definitely has an advantage in this game because I think it was St. Francis that played Escanaba earlier this season, or was it Gaylord? Uh, I'm actually not sure. The, the softball, the softball schedules on that match is a have been horrible. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but Escanaba came down here and played one of them, St. Francis or Gaylord, and lost. I think it was St. Francis. Yeah, and 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 St. Francis beat Escanaba, and Gaylord beat St. Francis. So transitive laws of physics there. <laughs> yeah, uh, as much as I hate that, it's Gaylor, so true. Gaylord should win this game. Uh, that whole regional is being played in Cadillac as well, so it's not that far of a trip for Gaylord. Uh, but at least familiar with the field. Yeah, they've they've played and they play on that one almost every year, and it's a farther trip for everybody else. You know, Whitehall and Grand Rapids on the other side of that. Except for maybe Big district. Rapids there. You know, Big Rapids is a that's only a 25-30 minute it's drive to Cadillac. Not a huge drive to Cadillac. That's I mean, not too and bad. Whitehall's not that much farther either. Regardless, I, I don't care how far it is. Gaylor's the best team in that district. Yeah, because they're are, they're the best team in Northern Michigan, yeah, basically by far. And they're loaded. They're they're. They have the pitching depth to be able to use different pitchers in, in games and not have to use the same pitcher in both games of the regional and not lose anything. I, I think that's kind of always an advantage. So I, I definitely see Gaylord moving on out of this region. Yeah, another team uh, softball-wise 
that we really have to look at when it comes into this deep playoff run is Traverse City St. Francis. Traverse City St. Francis, once again, it's like Gaylord really has only lost to Gaylord. <laughs> Traverse City West, it's like three three games this year, and it's all much bigger schools, with the exception of Kalkaska. Kalkaska did beat Traverse City St. Francis uh, one time this season, but we just talked about Kalkaska running through their district almost no problem. What do you think about the run for Traverse City St. Francis? Uh, well, they've, they've got a game on... On uh, Saturday, they start off with a, a two o'clock game against Everett. That's the the second game of that regional, in all being played in Manton. Uh, the openers Stanley Sterling against Beaverton, and then uh, you know, and then your final would be four o'clock. A little bit of a late, a late start in that. Not the the ten two, or not the ten noon two that you see quite often in districts, but. But being in Manton, it's not that far away either. Yeah, in Manton from Traverse City is like a forty minute drive, so. Something that's reachable for the fans yeah. is always nice to have here in the playoffs. I think that St. Francis has to be the favorite in this district for regional. I mean, the only other team that did beat them was Kalkaska. That was not, you know, that was in Division Three or lower. They went ahead and win that district title, and they have to go ahead and take on Charlevoix. Um, that's another local local here. Um, you know, Charlevoix kind of eked out of their district. Kalkaska, uh, on the other hand, ran through it. We've seen what they've been able to do. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty. High on Kalkaska. I saw them play Kingsley. I saw them play uh, Gaylord um, when they were over at the Kingsley softball tournament. And I got to see the, some of the bats. Mia Miller is a very good pitcher. They got a couple other girls on there. Yeah, yeah Wilkinson. And Maddie Wilkinson, yeah. Jordan Disbro. I mean, they've, yeah, they've got some athletes. And, you know, Rick Feinstein always has that team prepared. I mean, I'm so. going gonna, gonna to give them the nod over Charlevoix in this regional. Um, but then they have to go and play either Gladstone or Nagani and those kind of like Escanaba are usually pretty good coming out of, uh, you know, the north. Yeah, especially Gladstone. Uh, Nagani is also one of the teams that, from the UP that is typically pretty good in softball. And it's kind of like those three schools. Gladstone, Escanaba, and Nagani. Yeah, and then, I mean, we have to look at Traverse City West. This is the first time that they've made it this far uh, since 2004 in Division One. They have a chance uh, now, looking at a regional semifinal game, they play Midland. That is who just took them out in the soccer. I mean, we know that they, they always meet up with Midland or Rockford or one of those other really big schools who do good things in almost every sport. They've been able to get over this hump in uh, several things. you know. But I think Traverse City West is probably the lowest seed in this district. I mean, they lost about 10 games this year. I think Traverse City West ended up being like 22-10-2. They play good competition. Yeah, they put a loaded schedule. They're probably the, they're probably the lowest seed in this district, or this regional, though. Do uh, do we see them making school history going further than ever before? I can see them pulling this out. I mean, I mean, they play Midland, who's a team that's that's good, but is a team that's not beatable. You know, I could, I could totally see West being able to take them out. And then if you win that one, then you have uh, Fenton and Oxford. We're both teams that have also, I think, I think probably played pretty competitive schedules, but have lost games. So I, I think this is a fairly open regional. Like, there's not one team that is coming in like Gaylord at 36 and one that you're just like, whoa, geez, they're they're going to win this. Somebody like Rockford, who they'll probably have to see in like a quarterfinal. Yeah, it's something like that. I mean, uh, Are there, is Rockford in it? <laughs> oh, I didn't even know. I just figured, I was just like, yeah, if you're going to run across Midland, you're probably going to run across Rockford if you're Trevor City West at some point. Yeah, that is a potential. Because they're in the uh, regional opposite them, so Rockford is in that region. But So I, I could very easily see T.C. West coming out there. I mean, you've got Brittany Steimel, who you know is one of the more dominating players both ways up here. 
And, uh, you know, she's probably going to have to pitch both ways or both games. Oh, yeah. Because um, Bell Gulliver's out. I, I, I think Brittany's just going to be throwing the rest of the way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I think, like we said in the in the big story on Casey Sauer, she hasn't gotten all of her, all of her speed back yet on her, on her pitches. So I think they'll, they'll probably just let her play in the field and, and hit. She's been hitting a lot better lately. And let, you know, Brittany Steimel do her thing on the mound. Um, but then they they play back they'll play back to back if they win that game because they'll play in the noon noon game and then the two o'clock. Well, maybe they'll get your theory correct. If they win that first game, they'll be warmed up and ready to rock and roll for game number two. Mm-hmm. There's like two games in baseball that we want to talk about. Where this episode is extremely long, so we can only only preview a few. The one local on local that we have, like I said, is Glen Lake after their ninth straight district and Ellsworth. With a couple of those guys, a couple of the friends of the podcast actually are on that team as well. But uh, I mean, Glen Lake. They got some pretty good baseball players. The Troick brothers are pretty good. Um, Flor, you know, Flores is really good. Sean Gala is probably their MVP this season, or at least from what I've seen out of stats, batting wise. John Pop is yeah. John Pop's another really good guy. I mean, he he picked up a save and a win in the in the district. You know, he's picked up the save against Frankfurt, and then he pitched that district final game. Um, I like Glenn Lake's chances um, getting over against Ellsworth. Yeah, yeah. Then they'd get the winner of Pelston and Rudyard. In the other half of that bracket is Gaylord St. Mary, who gets Roger City. So there's a potential local-on-local quarterfinal? Potentially. I mean, they had to beat Roger City in Roger City, and then they would have to beat the winner of Ironwood Norway, which is a team that they beat in the regional semifinals two years ago on their way to the uh, Final Four. Okay. Okay. Well, what are the other games that we got coming up? We won't preview them all, but we got, what, Mesick and Mason County Eastern – also happening there in Division Four, uh, Benzie uh, Central and Everett. That's Division Three, along with Traverse City, St. Francis, and Harbor Springs in the same uh, regional. There on the opposite ends, once again, that could be a potential local on local state quarterfinal. Uh, you know, I think Traverse City, St. Francis, they're, they're one of those teams we've seen them over the last couple of years. Just, it, I mean, it only takes one game here to to mess it all up, but. Uh, you know, they have the guys to make it happen. They have a couple of good pitchers who are able to come in relief and really keep games where they're at, and they have bats across the across the board. So Traverse City St. Francis has a chance, and, I mean, Benzie Central, we heard what they just did in their district. They could possibly rip some teams apart. Yeah, and they've got an Everett team that I think is is decent but isn't like an unbeatable team or anything. So I, I, could, I could see Benzie Central winning that game, and then you get the winner of the UP game in the other half of that regional, which is Iron Mountain and Gladstone. We mentioned... Gladstone, same thing as in softball. They're usually the class of the UP uh, coming from there. So, uh, you know, that I think that would be a pretty good matchup if you get Benzie playing in the, the late game and then St. Francis in the early game in that regional final at East Jordan, the regional semifinals at East Jordan. You know, setting up that potential for uh, for an all-local that final. Would, that does not happen. does not happen often. What other games we got? Just to tap on them so everybody knows what's coming up this week, James. In uh, in Division Two, we have Petoskey that is still going in baseball. They are hosting their game on on Wednesday against Escanaba, who's a, a a very good team as well in baseball. If they win that game, then they would move on on Saturday to Alma College, playing against the winner of Muskegon Oak Ridge and Alma. And then in Division One, we have Traverse City West, you know who we all know about. We've got you know had Wyatt on the uh, podcast last week. They get Midland Dow, you know, another team that's, you know, it's a solid team. But I, I don't think I, they're ever. Uh, uh, 
I'm going to get sick of saying this. Are we ever going to say another matchup except for TC West and Midland in this round? <laughs> it seems like the Traverse City teams always have to go through Midland. Oh, yeah, you and have to go through Mid- Midland or Rockford, and, I'm and telling the, you. And the Midland teams are always seems like pretty good. Yeah. Like they got some they got some chemistry going on down there. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> they win I, that, I, if they win that one they get Muskegon Reese Puffer or Zeeland West in the uh, regionals that are being played at CMU. Oh, that's exciting. That's exciting. Make sure you stay tuned to the Record Eagle and record-eagle.com for the updates for this week from all the regional action of soccer and baseball and softball. That's going to put us into our next segment on our favorites, the Get Around Hall of Fame. <laughs> I was going to say we're going to try and make this quick, but there ain't nothing quick about putting as many people we're about to put into the Hall of Fame into the Hall of Fame. We already did a lot of talk about track. Should we just list them? I'm going to. I'm going to. But I have to give some recognition to a couple other people before we get into this list of track athletes uh, that we kind of went over earlier, and that is Traverse City St. Francis tennis players Alexi Lewis and Jillian Sodini, both winning individual state titles for the Gladiators. The Gladiators finishing as runner-ups as a team, which tied for the best finish in school history. They're still in search of that first girl state title. We thought this was going to be a year for them after sweeping through the Lake Michigan Conference. I think they only lost a handful of matches overall as a whole team this year. Uh, but they managed to get five out of eight flights into the finals um, and then had a runner-up finish and then two state champions in Sodini and Lewis. So Jillian Sodini and Alexi Lewis, you are the first two to go into the Get Around Hall of Fame this week for your state championship performances other than that, we have a host of track athletes. I'm going to do my best to kind of just run through these, but every one of you guys deserve it and uh, have now been inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, But luckily, a couple of you are already in. You are, but I'm still going to list you off because you want to stay title. I'm just going from top to bottom of what I have here in my in my story because it's just the way it worked out. But uh, Benzie, Central, Benzie Central's Hunter Jones for his state title in the 1600. Zeeland Tarrant, Jacob Haringa, Bryson Ella Lassingham, and Thomas Richards, two of our guests along with their two senior teammates who are out in Colorado right now uh, taking home a state championship. They are now in our Get Around Hall of Fame. Leah Dozima, the thrower from Traverse City Central. Emma Squires, we talked about her earlier, winning t- dual individual state titles. Glen Lake's Finn Hogan. Tara Townsend from Frankfurt. Kean Clapp, Reagan Thor, Grace Wolf. All part of that 400 relay that won it with Tara Townsend. And then Townsend obviously getting her personal best pole vault of 12 feet. They can't forget about McKenna Scott, the runner from Glen Lake, who earned her state title in the two-mile in the 3,200. One more for us, just so we don't forget. Two more, actually. Buckley's Aiden Horan uh, running that mile. Division four, only a freshman. Talk about... Uh, a good run there of being a freshman winning state title over McKenna Scott, who won that 32, so you know that she was uh, in a heat of a race. And then Petoskey St. Michael's 3,200 relay team of Sam Paga, Micah Bragg, Seth Bragg, and Hammond Law. Those were our state champions from the weekend, and I guess if you want to kind of put in Petoskey's girls team, we'll just lump you in. But that was basically Emma Squires and a couple other of her teammates, like the Vanderwalls and all those girls that we know who have been around making sure that they won that state title. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to however many athletes that just was. We lost track. You are now in the Get Around <laughs> Hall of Fame. <laughs> we lost track. <laughs> uh, we are too punny. Uh. Oh, man. It, this episode's so long, I almost want to cut out the trifecta, but I can't. 
because it's a bifecta. Andrew left, if you haven't noticed by now. He had doggy things to take care of as a doggy dad. Take his dog to the vet. Yeah, doggy dad things. So there's going to be a bifecta, and we'll try to make it quick. And I just have to we have to bring up, like, somebody basically asked me, or they put it on Facebook, like, oh, Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather, and this is, once again, and I'll put it this way, ignorant kids. And it's not like, I'm not talking about any, like, any of our, it, it was a friend of mine, he's like 22 years old, he's my friend's little brother. He was like, oh, this is going to, like, reignite boxing, this is like, this is so good for the sport, this is going to, like, is going to make sure everybody wants to watch this again. And I knew before yesterday, I was like, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened for boxing. It's going to make a mockery of the sport. It already has. It's going to show that you really never had to, you just had to go get your, you know, go get your money in a ring, hype up a fight and say, oh, I'm going to beat him up. He's going to beat me up. Oh, I got your hat. Here's, here's some social media hype. And, you know, of course, the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight didn't even close to live up to its billing. Of course, I would have never paid for it. No. But I wouldn't pay for any Floyd Mayweather fight because n- like, Floyd Mayweather is a tremendous boxer, but he's also the most boring boxer in the world. But do you want to know something that I tried to tell everybody this yesterday? Because I was like, oh, Floyd Mayweather's going to knock out Logan Paul. One, no chance he's knocking that guy out. Regardless of what it is, Logan Paul still has 25 pounds and yeah, seven inches on him. He's way bigger, yeah. You're, you're, dude, that's swinging to the sky to get somebody on the button, which I get. But still, I want everybody to go back and look at Floyd Mayweather's career and see how many knockouts the guy had. Once again, nobody knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Everybody like nobody had any idea what was happening here. They all just blew it out of the water. They go, oh my God, a YouTube star is fighting, fighting Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather fought Manny Pacquiao, two of the actual greatest fighters of all time. I paid for that fight, and I hated it. Yeah, I went to that one. I went to I, see that at a bar, and um, I had to pay to get into the bar because they had to cover. Yeah, for the twenty bucks or something too. It wasn't it was, anything it was cheap. Like Ten, but you know, I, I threw ten dollars away because that was an awful fight too. Because afterwards, we find out that Manny Pacquiao was hurt the whole time, and he was basically and was just, just standing there to, fight. to make sure he wasn't, you know, going to die. Payday. Yeah, it's a payday, baby, and you ain't going to back out of that fight. Yeah, I mean, it was just an ex- exhibition, but like, I basically like, is that a mockery or did that do anything for the sport of boxing? Is it ready? Boxing has been boring. Maybe it interested twenty-two-year-olds. Boxing, <laughs> boxing, and this it sucks. Like I, I personally, dude, I boxed for a little bit when I was a kid. Like I understand, like the the whole like mindset behind it. The like I read a few books about being like a pugilist. Like it's like a whole lifestyle. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and and the the technicality of boxing. The thing is that everybody goes Floyd Mayweather is the most boring boxer to watch. If you're a boxing judge, you're like you're drooling over Floyd Mayweather because you can't hit Floyd Mayweather. He's oh, dodging punches. That's what I said. He's a great yes, fighter, exactly. but he's boring to watch. But, no, but, but this is the point is that I don't think anybody ever put two and two together that Floyd Mayweather is like a, like a lightweight. or not, he's, he's like a featherweight. He's like a, yeah, yeah, he's like 140 pounds. The, the fight, fighting in that weight class has really never been exciting. Even back when, the boxing had its heyday when Mike Tyson and Joe Lewis and the heavyweights were knocking each other out. It's never been, hey, we're having heavy-handed knockouts in the 140-pound weight class. It's dudes with fast hands and technical skills who win fights. It's not Tyson Fury versus... Sugar uh, Ray. What's his... Yeah, but... He, Sugar Ray Leonard. And he wasn't knocking people out no, either. No, he's the, really. but the fastest hands you're going to find. That guy going to get yeah. you, man. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, it's not Tyson Fury versus... What's his guy's name right now? Wilder. You know what I'm saying? Those are getting hyped up because those are, those are big-hitting guys who... Ready? They ain't lasting 10 rounds. Somebody going to get knocked out. They ain't got the stamina to get 10 rounds. 
know what I'm saying? They're big boys. Those are 240-pound men trying to throw their weight around. I think it would be hilarious to see Tyson Fury in the 10th round of a fight. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Talk about how dead they would be. I just... Everybody who expected anything out of that fight. <laughs> if you let Tyson Fury fight the first nine rounds against somebody else, let me fight the tenth round. <laughs> then maybe, no, still not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Remember, <clears throat> I, we'll just leave it at that. I just, if, if you ever thought that that was good for boxing or if it was going to do anything for boxing or whatever, if anything, I just, I, I really urge you to stop doing whatever you do to interact with the Paul brothers. Like, I, man, I I hate to be like this, but that's just that what what they what they did with this Mayweather fight just typified everything about social media that I hate. All you gotta do is act like a a hardo and act like you're cool, and things will come to you. And I just think that's a terrible terrible way to look like it because he had no business being in a ring with Floyd Mayweather. I don't care. One, ready? It's an exhibition match because the Federation of Boxing would never sign off on somebody being 40 pounds and 8 inches bigger in a, in a cage together if it was actually ever going to be a fight. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If it was, it, 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 you, everybody who invested things into this got bamboozled. And I think it's the same thing. Anything you're ever going to invest with those guys, those, those, the Logan and Jake Paul or whatever, you're going to get bamboozled on. And you're going to learn it over and over and over again. There ain't nothing there. You can't trust anybody named Jake. Except and on for, that. Except for the two we had in this on this episode. <laughs> I was going to say, and on that, we'll end episode <laughs> 178 or 100. We'll end episode 179 uh, letting you leave with questions of trust of your favorite podcast host. Make sure you follow me on Twitter. You can keep tabs on me there. See if you trust me by what I say. At Jake Adnan. Follow James at JamesCook14. Follow Andrew at ByAndrewR. Follow all of us at TCRE Sports on all social media platforms and make sure that you interact with us and we'll get you entered in for some free Pitts Bitters tickets. Thanks for listening to episode 179. We'll see you for episode 180 next week. <laughs>